Hey, everybody. Welcome to another commission podcast from Bald Move. This one brought to you by the commissioner himself, Andrew Mount. This yeah. is his fifth commission. If, if he doesn't watch out, we're going to have to like do a W-2 on him. Like we're we're gonna have to fill out paperwork uh-huh. uh, <laughs> as a contractor. Yes, he's yeah. gonna be a, a he, he's gonna wind up being an independent contractor from Bald Move uh, or some kind of I don't know C suite executive more like it. Uh, but thank you again very much for picking out a yet another very very fun movie surprise mm-hmm. movie. Uh, this is 2012's Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, I almost said Cabin on the Woods. It's the Cabin cab- Cabin in the Cabin in the Woods. Uh, yeah, I don't want to half-ass so, it. I don't know. I always call this cabin in the woods, but it's the cabin in the woods, which... You don't want to don't want to mistake Why? it for another cabin. This is the cabin. Okay. Clearly, sure. this movie... Uh, also, this is another one where, I mean, this isn't going to blow you away with how great a movie it is, but we are going to spoil the shit out of it. And yeah. if you haven't seen it, it's super fun. And it is actually very well made. It's written by Joss Whedon mm-hmm. and directed by long-term, long-time collaborator... Uh, Drew Goddard. Yeah. Uh, Namesake of the Goddard Center. Yeah. The guy, of course, of <laughs> course. And the Rocket series. He's, uh-huh. he's a rocket scientist as well as a sci fi horror author. They've been together since the Buffy days. They have, yeah. They brought they each other write along together a lot. On Alias. Uh, and I think this guy, this Cloverfield. The director, wrote on, yeah, he wrote Cloverfield. He, uh, I think he wrote on Lost as well. Yeah, he does have some lost. I'm looking. Uh, he's got some lost uh, credits. He wrote nine episodes. Mm-hmm. Uh, wrote the screenplay for World War Z. Wrote the f- uh, hmm. first two episodes for the Daredevil TV series, which is another commission podcast we've got coming out in a couple wow. of weeks. World War Z was a piece of shit, but uh, it was Daredevil's. It good. was, um, but I, n- I never thought much of the source material. But we're yeah. not talking about that. We're talking about the cabin. Yeah, and I don't think we need to run down Joss Whedon's credits. No, I think everybody everyone, knows him. Everyone knows the Whedon Knights. Yeah, uh, philosophy. Um, I like again. So if you haven't watched the show uh, and you and you want to, because it does have this is a twisty movie. Mm-hmm. Uh, I feel like you can watch this again. This is kind of like you know any kind of genre flick that's light pop, like The Princess Bride. You could watch this a bunch of times and get quotes out of it and action scenes and there's laughs and scares. But there are some you know things that are only going to work the first time, like twisty things. Mm-hmm. So. Uh, and we're going to talk have been about warned. Him. Yeah, you have been warned. So about halfway through this movie, I started realizing what was going on. I'm like, oh, my God, uh, this is the SCP. And and I don't think you were familiar with that. I've never heard of the SCP before. So SCP is this Internet site that started 2007 ish. OK, uh, that is a I'm trying to how to describe it. It is. And you can find it on scp-wiki, W-I-K-I dot net. Or if you just search for SCP, it's the first thing that comes up. But it's a society, it, it's, it purports to be, like, it's an in-universe style catalog of this society that, 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 to, that uh, aims to study, uh, contain, and prevent different supernormal, super paranormal, supernatural <laughs> Super paranormal natural events uh, from happening on the Earth, and uh-huh. the the chief pleasure in this is it's it's got a lot of really creepy stories, amateur written stories, but they're they're pretty good, okay. uh, and they're like tropes from all across the horror genre, and talks about how like if you had a real life Freddy Krueger, you know what kind of threat would he pose to the society at large or the universe even, and how would you contain him, and what would those mm-hmm. procedures be? 
All right. And they get a lot of mileage out of like redacting certain parts. Freddy Krueger is pretty much done once the singularity happens, right? Like once we all just go into robot brains and never have to sleep, Freddy Krueger's done. His career's over. He's he becomes a dream bitch that you just slap around. Yeah, well, he doesn't exist anymore. If there's no dream, oh, you're there's saying, no Freddy Krueger. You're right? saying that if you, once you're loaded into alien hardware, you're, you don't sleep. Really? Yeah. I, why would you sleep? Why would you sleep in computer software? What if our neural net? Are, are you going to a Blade Runner here? <laughs> what if we have some kind of cascading failure? If you like, if sleep is some kind of garbage collection routine, that if it's if you don't let, mm-hmm. if you just let it run unchecked, uh, the whole system goes down. All right. Yeah, maybe. I mean, it seems like a I, biological I, imperative as well, but yeah, it's the the android sleep that thing. When they, yeah. when they sleep, do they dream? You know. Yeah. Sure. Uh, but anyway, it's it's really cool, and it, and I've enjoyed reading those over the years. I think if you like Cabin in the Woods, you will like it too. And it's almost certain to be. I feel like it's got to be the inspiration for this film. It's not credited. I didn't see in my research where where Joss or any of these guys, you know, and this yeah. is not, and this is kind of man in black is the same way. It's an, it's a very old conceit, but like a secret order of people trying to keep big, scary things locked up and, and put away. Also in my show notes, I'll put like the top five SCP entries, my personal taste to get you kind of started. Okay. Cool. Um, but that's what this is about too. This cabin mm-hmm. is part of a global network of people trying to stave off the apocalypse because in the form of like ancient gods rising up and destroying the world, ancient Cthulhu like gods. And the, the beginning of the movie shows many like woodcuts, wood cuttings. I think that's what you call that art form, you know, the primitive yeah. type of printing. Yeah. The, uh, they look like uh wall carvings in a cave yeah. or something like that. It starts off like caveman air, but it's showing human mm-hmm. sacrifice through the millennia. Yeah. Um, which I'm like, ooh, this is kind of an interesting subject matter. But apparently they're saying that you have to sacrifice people in this ritual way every so often or the world ends. What is it about those sacrifices that appease the evil gods, the evil forces? They're, like, we're going to give you four people once a year. I hope that's cool. <laughs> but they're making him suffer. I mean, I don't know if yeah. it's... I mean, that that's one of the things with when you start looking at Lovecraftian theology is like their motivations and desires don't make sense from a human standpoint. So it's almost like, sure. do you really want to try to understand why they would accept four or five horrific sacrifices versus just snuffing out all life on Earth? Yeah, yeah. Uh, I don't know. Plus, it's like, you know, once you snuff out light, all life on Earth, then it's over. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good point. Playtime's you know? done. Mm-hmm. Like, that's one of the things where, like... You know, I've been in this position where I'm a dad and I want to do something really, really fun. And my son does, too. And as a punishment, mm-hmm. I'm, you know, one of the things is you lose privileges or you lose opportunities to have fun. Every once in a while, I've got that, like, psychological dilemma. Like, damn it, I wanted to go do this thing. And this kid, if he doesn't clean up his room, I'm going to have to punish myself just as much as him. Yeah. And it's, you know, deferring satisfaction or whatever, too, right? Like. Uh, I'm going to give you $1 right now or $10 in an hour. Make your choice. Well, the gods choose the dollar every time or or the $10 every time. They know. Yeah. They know if they take that dollar, they're going to get a couple of pieces of candy. Yeah. Versus a lot more candy if they wait. There you go. So this is the, (laughs) this is Cthulhu accepting his one marshmallow or, you know, waiting five minutes to get three marshmallows instead of eating one marshmallow now and getting no marshmallows in the future. It's a good analogy too, right? Because like, Back in the day when uh, the Aztecs were around, how many people were on Earth, you know? 
Not many. Not that many. So now you got 7 billion people on Earth. Mm -hmm. They waited a while. They're going to get a lot more to chow down on. I think, you know, because the other solution is that this is some kind of, like, we've imprisoned these gods somehow. And this is some kind of dark magic that keeps them from rampaging. Mm -hmm. But that I've always had a hard time dealing with because how in the world would you ever... Like, if this thing, if it gets loose, it ends the world. Yeah, there's nothing we can do. Then how in the world did you ever survive the first attack to imprison it in the first place? Yeah, some incantation that's been long since lost. Yeah, I, I mean, it's it's one thing if you're dealing with, like, what's that guy from Conan? Uh, you know, Darth Vader, James Earl Jones. I forget what his name is. Uh, yeah, I don't know his name. Something, but he's like a local sorcerer. He's a badass. He could. He's like a, a, a Genghis Khan. He could... He could Absolutely hold thrall over an entire region, and maybe a hero could be born of prophecy who can defeat this snake lizard king. Mm-hmm. But if you're talking about Cthulhu, he's he's going to do whatever he wants, and he's going to devour the earth if he wants. It's kind of like you know Galactus. I, that's mm-hmm. one thing I always have a problem with Silver Surfer and Fantastic Four. Galactus, yeah, eat your planet. Now this feels more like a deal we've made with these gods. Like, we have, we have said, hey, look, we're going to give you this many people. We're going to make them suffer. We're going to put them through all this for your amusement every so often. Yeah. Just don't kill us all. It's like a dark Garden of Eden. You know, like, uh, we're going to put two perfect people in a perfect paradise and just don't eat this fruit and you're cool. Yeah. This is the opposite. This is like <laughs> Cthulhu saying, I want five slutty teenagers sacrificed annually or I'm going to destroy you. And also, I'm going to put you in a shithole world, and you're going to kind of muddle through it. (laughs) Uh, Not as much faith inspiration in in that tale. Now, what's interesting is this for for that conceit, this movie spends an unusually long amount of time with the people, the wardens of the system. Yeah. Like the the, the bureaucratic layers that selects the teenagers – Mm-hmm. that engineer i mean this is like a hunger like, like a like a hunger games or yeah they're staging a real life horror film is what they're doing sure and it's not just happening you know in this one location it's happening in a lot of locations across the planet right because it'd be foolhardy to put all your eggs in one basket there's like yeah. some kind of uh the ring style nightmare happening <laughs> Which in japan is amazing these little schoolgirls trying just, to contain this demon this demon this yeah. well demon and there's like something from buenos aires with some kind of uh-huh. like giant spider there's there's just like all these something different in like things. denmark or something i don't know um, but they're watching and they're like taking bets. I mean, this is the kind of gallows humor I think you'd expect to see uh, people engaged in this behavior. Like, you got to do it. You got to kill these seven, you know, or five slutty teenagers uh, in gruesome fashion or seven billion people die. Right. Yeah. You got to do it. There's no way around it unless you just want to lay down and sacrifice everyone. So this is one of those. You know, pull a switch and kill one person versus pull a switch and kill seven billion type of people. The the ethics and morals are kind of muddy to hear. But they also do a lot of other things like um, there's, you know, people they are kind of more or less horrified by what they're doing. And there's the other people they are like, you know, getting off to all the naked teenagers and taking bets on who's going to die first and which monster is going to kill them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I thought... That is kind of interesting because there's this one thing where the the douchebaggiest of the two, one of them is played by the smarmy guy from the West Wing, which I understand could yeah, be yeah. like any one of six different characters there. 
Uh, Not Rob Lowe. Yeah. And then the guy who plays uh, the dad, the sad dad in a lot of things. He's most recently uh, seen as uh, Olive Kitteridge's husband in the Olive huh. Kitteridge HBO miniseries. But they're rationalizing, saying, look, they have to tra- they have to choose to transgress. Mm-hmm. Uh, and if they don't, then, you know, they do. It's on them. The transgression is essentially going down to the basement of this the cabin in the woods mm-hmm. and fucking with a bunch of evil toys. Yeah, I mean, it's straight out of every horror movie you've ever seen. They've got a puzzle box. They've yep. got a, a haunted music box. Yep. They've got... Uh, a diary written in some film. Uh, yeah, the diary, which is the one that they ultimately choose. They've got a locket. Yeah, uh, but you can you, see you in the on. backgrounds. There's all kinds of tools and ancient dolls yeah. and mirrors and, like you said, film reels and audio tape, all kinds of stuff. And every one of those corresponds to some nightmare that you're going to release upon yourself. Yeah, some kind of monster. And I feel like that that's not much of a transgression. Like, you're in a house that belongs to you. Like, Uh this is established that your uncle bought this cabin, and it's awesome, and he's given it to you for the weekend with no restrictions on it. Mm. Um, And also, the other thing is, like, these kids are like the archetypes. Like, Chris Hemsworth. That's his name? He's the guy, the Mighty Thor you'll recognize him from. It's interesting, because this was released in 2012, so it was a year after Thor came out, but it was actually shot in 2009. Mm-hmm. So, like, when it was shot, Chris Hemsworth wasn't a big a deal. Then he comes and plays Thor, and then all of a sudden this is released after the fact, and you're like, this is a little weird that he'd be doing this small-time right. thing here. But you can see why he's famous. He's good-looking, he's charming, sure, he's got yeah. a perfect body. And <laughs> and as they introduce these, you see that these guys are going to be, like, this stereotypical, like, this. he's going to be the douchebag jock. And they start yeah. in their introduction acting that way, but then you find out that that's kind of their being ironic. And actual, actually, Thor is, is like, a top student in his class, that yeah. he respects women, and his girlfriend is not actually a blonde. She just dyed it for this weekend to be fun, and she's very – not that being blonde is a bad thing. Uh, <laughs> but but and, and she's – Blondes she, have more fun, don't they? That's what I've heard. Yeah, and she's not, like, really a big whore either, and, you know, like they, they kind of deconstruct all these different things. And then you find out that this society or this agency is pumping these – these people's brains full of chemicals mm-hmm. um, subtly to make them conform to these archetypes to appease these dark gods. And I'm starting thinking like, man, this is some really shoddy transgression shit. If the transgressions aren't that big a deal in the first place mm-hmm. and you're being pumped full of chemicals and make you act against your will. Uh, I was expecting more of like, I know what you did last summer. Like they're going to run over a homeless man and instead of taking it to the authorities or try to get this guy medical treatment or try to get him so, you know, his loved ones have closure, they're going to try to hide it because they don't want to give up their privileged privileged lifestyle. That's a transgression. Yeah, I mean, transgression in horror movies doesn't actually mean what transgression really means. Like you knowingly do something you shouldn't do. But they're using it that way. The 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 people the the white collar people running this zoo are using that sense of the word. But it's in the context of a horror movie. And and transgression in a horror movie is just meddling with forces unknown or meddling with things that you shouldn't be even if you don't know that you shouldn't be. Like I I, I don't know. There there are so many references to horror movies in this and it's an obvious send up of those. Yeah. Um, transgression in that is just, you know, 
Messing with stuff you shouldn't mess with. No, I get it. You find the Necronomicon on a book, yeah. and you just open it up and start reading spells, not knowing what to do. That's, exactly. You're going to get your ass burnt, and I expect that from a horror film, but I thought it was another layer of irony, maybe too far, that these people are using this for their justification of making this happen. Like, it's, it's one thing to say, we took five random people and put them in this situation, and whatever happens, happens. It's another thing... To say that we're going to do this and then pump them full of chemicals and we're going to, in, you know, it's like this. They felt very herded. Well, they are. I mean, that's, that's like a rancher saying, I don't kill the cows. It's this captive bolt gun that does it. I just pull the trigger. Sure, but that's the whole point of this, right? Like, <laughs> it wouldn't be a very effective solution to this ancient gods problem if it were left up to chance completely. They're so hurting think... them toward this doom, towards this transgression. Huh. So now you're making me think that that's actually intentional, that this flimsy justification is supposed to seem silly oh yeah i think so oh okay it's just they know they have to do this thing and kill these people uh-huh. and it's like well y- you know it's got to be done so let's do it and let's do it as fast and efficiently as possible make sure we get the job done yeah uh yeah i i think you're reading too much into the idea of a transgression <laughs> Being well, something that you choose to do and something yeah. that you well, it's weird because you, you said know like, you're doing. Wrong. I would normally just accept this to that question, but since this is kind of a deconstruction of horror, I felt yeah. like I had to tear into it just a little bit more. Okay, I feel like I've seen that particular thing done better by some classic sci-fi and horror authors. Like I feel like I I couldn't tell you if it's a Bradbury or if it's a Stephen King, but I feel like I've seen yeah. That, Something like this, where one person has this kind of idyllic life, and then you find out they're just being fattened up for sacrifice, and the people are concerned, but it's kind of like the concern you feel towards a chicken or a rabbit. You know, if you feel sentimental towards a creature, you want it to have a quick death, but you're still going to do it, and there's nothing it can do Mm -hmm. to make you stop. Yeah. Uh, And, And I don't think this is a particularly deep movie. I think... I think the twists are there. This is more of a popcorn flick, in huh. my mind. I don't think there's a lot to actually think about here, honestly. You're right, and the tone of the movie doesn't encourage that. No, it doesn't. But there's just enough there that I kind of want to pick <laughs> at it. I know. That's that's your your predilection. And I've right? also your... spent like all weekend pouring over to SCP. Because like I okay. stopped, I yeah. found it very early on, like even pre me being on Reddit days, pre-Reddit days. And back then they were up to like item number seven sixty eight, uh-huh. and now they've got catalog like over three thousand items in their catalog. Jeez. Okay, um, and you know there's the same kind of stuff that's afflicted Wikipedia where people are squabbling about your monster's shit and my monster's awesome and this <laughs> you're using too much unobtainium that's unrealistic and oh, like God. you know it's uh-huh. but. Uh, yes, yeah, no coincidence that most of the items going to reference are below 1,000 in my top five, but... Um, yeah, I, I think this is more of a surface-level movie. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they thought about it that deeply. Huh. That's just me. I read Ebert's review on this, and he digs a little bit deeper um, I, that's the thing about f- the, the free will and whether or not yes. you can make choice. And I'm like, I don't see any of that in this movie. I do, and I feel like... that. Here's the wow. thing. I feel like the movie supports that level of criticism, but it's not prepared to deal with it. Which is why I don't think it supports it, but <laughs> but yes, okay. If you want to say that's what they were going for and they missed, I would agree. No, with No, I don't. I think that okay. I think that through no fault of their own, their movie's premise is so interesting that it at it wants you to ask these questions, but it doesn't have any answers to it. Okay, I agree with that. Yeah, 
even at the end, like, you know, I want to know what happens next. I would like to know, like, God destroys the earth. I mean, you saw the giant hand. (laughs) If I had, I I don't know what the CGI budget for this movie would be, but like, I would have really dug over the credits just news report after news report of the earth ending and maybe some shots of space Uh of it turning to a black cinder like that would have been the perfect (laughs) that'd be cool rotten cherry on this because there's a lot of gallows humor in this movie a lot oh yeah gallows i mean probably my favorite moment in this whole movie is when chris hemsworth is like they've been attacked (laughs) by these these monsters and they're like we're getting the fuck out of here there's a cave-in in the the tunnel that they came through he's like i'm gonna jump this gorge with my bike and he gives he's got, long, a, he's, he's, got a, he's got a motorbike. It's not like a pedal bike. He, he, yeah, he, and he looks a, like he could like do a it motocross sure. uh, motorbike. Yeah. Um, and, and so he gives this long and passionate speech like, I'm coming back. I'm going to go. I'm going to get help. We are going to make it out of this. Yeah. I will come back for you. And then he turns around. He gets up to speed and he ramps up and he just slams into this force field, which you knew was there. But I think they were hoping you forgot and about. I did. I totally did. Okay, awesome. I totally did. Because it really only works if... Although, so this was the second time I've seen it. I saw it in the theaters when it came out. And so I knew what was going to happen. I think you... And I think it still works. It's kind of like level, the difference though. between in like Anchorman, the first time you hear him say, go fuck yourself, San Diego. Uh-huh. Like it's just, it sucks to oxygen <laughs> out of the room. It's so funny and shocking. And the second time, it's the enjoyable buildup. You know like what's as going. He's re- kind of like it's very similar to the Samuel L. Jackson scene in Deep Blue Sea, where he's rallying the and troops he's and by, he's yeah. like, you know, we're not going <laughs> to then kaboom, the shark just bites him in half right, uh, right at the triumphant moment. It really is, yeah. Which is no surprise because this film contains every single jump scare and every single trope about horror movies. It's very scary, not scary movie. That's like scream. Yes, it's yeah. it, it's very scream in that it works. Does it work as an effective horror movie? I'm on the fence because none of this stuff hmm. scared me because there's a couple of reasons why. Number one, it's just so many layers of like jump scare payoff, jump scare payoff, jump scare. And like yeah. the way – like there's this one thing in particular. I felt like I was a color commentator like calling a football game because it's like, okay, she's – She's gone down to the RV. They're sinking underwater. She's gone out the top patch. Whoop! the camera's lingering on the top patch. A second too long. There comes the rotted hand. It grabbed around the ankle. Yep. Uh, yep. The zombies got this one sewn up, Jim. <laughs> I thought that they I, – I, but I don't know if it's scary because that moment is just like any other horror, but they 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 – they shot it like a second or two too long. There's something that's more yeah. illuminative, illuminating about the way they show these tropes than truly scary. But the other hand, the other side of this equation is five years ago, mm-hmm. this movie might have scared the shit out of me. But I've maybe because of you and Cecily, I've seen so much horror movies now that I'm kind of blase about it. Yeah. Yeah, I can understand that. Also, this movie never lets the tension build quite enough. Um, like a, a regular horror movie would, because you're always cutting back to these scientists, and that's kind of always on your mind and too. It's, that's you're very like, what, broad comedy. What's going on yeah. here? Why? Yeah, you, you're more wrapped up in the mystery of this, I think, than the horror and the tension. So yeah, I don't, I don't think it works necessarily as a horror movie in its in and of itself. But it has really good gore and really good yeah. creature design. Uh huh. Um, I mean, that was one of the sheer visual pleasures of the movies when they finally got to the below ground where all these horrors are kept <laughs> is just every variation of of scary thing you've seen is kept down there. Yeah. 
That's super cool. And a lot of scary things I haven't seen. Like, I don't know what's up with the evil unicorn. <laughs> like, what about the tree? The tree? Uh-huh. That's, uh, <laughs> there's, there's a name for that. I can't think of it right now. Uh, yeah. Shit. I don't know. They're, before- they're in Warcraft. Uh, oh, really? Ints? Yeah. Like, are you talking about... Yeah, like, yeah. Okay, uh, okay. Just evil ints, I guess. Evil ints. Um, kind of a little bit of... You've even seen Guardians of the Galaxy, have you? Uh, I saw the end of it. Okay, because Groot, like, fucking hulks out at the end and is, like, yeah. kind of horrific, but then they have, like... It, and this is a lot like this movie. Every time something horrific happens, there's a punchline. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you're right. There isn't enough tension. Uh, there isn't, like, a sense of growing dread. It's more of just, like, starting to figure out everything and... and it's like a smile slowly uh, spreading on your face rather than you feeling kind of like, you know, hunched in and grabbing your blanket and watching between it's I don't, I don't know how to explain it. It's a very weird tone. It it's is a lot yeah. like Scream. I think it's better than Scream. Yeah, because there's more of a an interesting mystery here. Like in Scream, it's just who's the killer. Also, Scream is a but would you say Scream's a more effective horror movie? I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, granted, I saw Scream a long time ago. Why do you? And think... I wasn't as well versed in horror then, but yeah, I, I think so. Why do you think that it? I'm trying to. Yeah, I, I think that's what's interesting. It kept up about the tension movie. more than this. This movie did. Yeah, and like something about like the characters were more like these were just literally sketches. Like uh, mm-hmm. this is the meathead jock, except for he's actually brainy. This is the whore cheerleader, yeah. except for she's kind of chaste. This is the, you know, stone virgin, except she's not. Yeah, there's a lot of that where but that's that defines entirely what they are and who they are. Yeah. Whereas in Scream, it felt like there's a little bit more of the relationship and you got to know these characters so that, Mm -hmm. you know, when one of them died. I mean, that's why I guess horror movies are scared. The the really scary ones are scary is because you get invested in the characters. And I think so. And and if they can kind of subvert your expectations in a way where you don't see that stuff coming that that's the trouble with horror movies nowadays is it's all kind of been done um and when you're seeing something that's really scary you're seeing something that hasn't been done yet yeah like some new novel innovation in like the, the first paranormal genre activity yeah that, oh god that was horrifying and now like five movies into it it's really stupid because they just can't yeah. keep that conceit running i mean even that's kind of just a an evolution of poltergeist i i don't know i don't know how to classify like what makes a horror See, I think, movie scary I think versus the, not the the key uh evolution of the genre the paranormal activities was the passivity of the horror like sure. you could have a goat you could have you know the fact that these were just mechanical devices passively witnessing things yeah. And you could, you know, pan over, room's empty, pan over, room's empty, pan over, and there's a ghost standing over two sleeping people. Mm-hmm. They don't even know that happened. Yeah. Uh, that is the the kind of horrifying things. And the way that you can play with practical and digital effects and it looks, it it gives the immediacy of, of it, it yeah, looks Yeah, and the, the other thing that was super scary about that for me was the how powerless those people were. Yeah. Like, how do you fight something that is literally invisible and you you don't even know what it is by the time it manifests itself you it's too late yeah i mean there's there's just a force yeah. pulling you out of your bed across the floor like how do you fight that yeah versus zombies that with weapons that sure. you can dodge or you block can you can skulls, stab them uh, yeah they make noise 
that kind of stuff. And also that that movie just did a great job building tension because it'll make you watch five minutes of just a dark room <laughs> and nothing happens. Uh huh. And then maybe something will move and it will go to the next scene. Yeah. Yeah, that's creepy. Real creepy. It is real. Like I said, that's that's probably in the last five years the most memorable experience I had is watching the first Paranormal Activity in the dark. I think that's a good one. And um, watching it, I I don't see how you could like watching it in the theater must be just ridiculous. That like, I, that's screen. that's my next achievement. I want to go see a a consensus good horror movie in a theater that I haven't seen before. Huh? Because it's in the dark, and you can to, hear everything breathing, really and people good are screaming, ones. and yeah. Um, I, th- I think the other thing that really worked about Paranormal Activity is how mundane the setting is. Yeah, because it's your house, you know. Sure. I mean, it could be literally where you're sleeping, and then the invo- involving not some kids. crazy, creepy cabin in the woods, yeah. not some deep, dark scenario. It's just everyday life, and and the evolving involving of kids too that helps yeah. is is you know when you've got the ghost fucking with a, a two year old in the crib that's babbling i mean yeah so <laughs> sure sure creeping yourself out here uh i also thought that this would have been a crazy silent movie hmm. if you don't know silent movies is this new experimental thing jim and i are doing on the uh the pay side of bald move where we take a movie and we strip out every piece of dialogue and then we show it to the other person who's never seen it, like Jim and I take turns doing this. And then the game is trying to figure out what the movie's about. This, without the dialogue, would just be incomprehensible, I think. Or maybe maybe by the time you got to the last act, it would be clear enough. Yeah, I felt like there's a lot of giveaway with the sacrifices at the beginning, like the credits montage or whatever. Plus, every time someone dies, they pull the lever and the blood slowly yeah. f- falls down that bass relief stat. I think so you'd get sacrifice out of that. Maybe you would. Maybe. Uh, it'd have been an interesting experience, experiment. We should have done it before. Uh, this, com- You know what? These commission things, that'd be another way to get value out of them, since frequently neither one of us have seen it. Mm-hmm. Uh, like, holy smokes, as a commission podcast. <laughs> Uh, or as a silent movie. You do the silent movie first, and then we mm-hmm. do – it's like a twofer. Hmm. I don't know if people would be pissed about that or not because it does – from what we've seen in the two experiments, it kind of destroys the impact of the film. Yeah, it does. So probably yeah. we couldn't justify doing that to someone's commission. Probably But not. it'd be – It'd be a crazy good idea if we, if, if we, were, if we weren't so damn ethical. Uh, do you have a favorite monster? Out of all the monsters oh, that showed man, up. Oh, man, there were so many. I, I do really like how the merman ends up killing the guy who was so obsessed with yeah. wanting to see a merman. But the merman itself is kind of weak, I thought. Sure, yeah. It was a little, like, 1980s chud. Okay. Uh, with, I, some, with some gills. Honestly, I like the man bat. Man bat? The giant bat, right. I thought, was pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Um, and bats are kind of creepy. The only reason they're not scarier than they are is because they're little bitty things. Yeah. It's true. Uh, but the, having like a, a bat the size of a man just tear assing through quarters and stuff was it was extremely well done. Uh, and it was it was very cool. I'm trying to think of some of the others because there's just there's a giant snake. There was a werewolf. Yeah, a snake didn't do it for there's me. There's like a ghost of like an ethereal being of some kind. Yeah. Uh, there were two. There were twins. Obviously, sure. shining reference. There looked like guys that were um, either part of the. The Purge movie series, or maybe they were nods toward a Clockwork Orange. There was like a gang of dudes wearing suits and a mask. Oh yeah, and there was a clown. Yeah, well the clowns obviously, but like the uh, gang of suits, and I don't associate that with paranormal. Those are just psychopaths. Yeah, which 
I don't think I don't know. That felt like a violation of the movie's rules to me. Like you're looking, you you're, you're, you're housing stuff. ultimate evil down there. Those guys belong in a federal penitentiary in 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 protective <laughs> what is, custody. What they about don't the belong. unicorn man? Well, the, the unicorn, unicorn I mean, unicorns aren't typically evil. But I'm saying like, well, but you don't know. Everyone assumes they're cool and they have healing powers and all that stuff. And maybe they're just really sure. assholes. You don't know that. Well, really assholes. I mean, they only live in fiction, so <laughs> <laughs> they're whatever we make them. And so far, we've made them benevolent. We've made but before, them... like, uh, I, I guess this movie presupposes like the mermaids aren't you know the classically good looking naked girls on top, fish parts down below. They're yeah. just horrible, bloated thing. Mm-hmm. And I like that, like that these are real things that people's myths are based on. And I like genres that play almost that. like this... the true grim version of yeah. Of these. It's it's like I that's one of the reasons I really like the Dresden Files. That I've I've hawked this book series a bunch, but it's about this uh, real wizard that works as a private investigator in modern day Chicago, um, and it plays a lot with that too. Like there's not just a type of vampire. There's a bunch of different types of vampires, and some hmm. of them have the Bram Stoker elements. Some of them have you know, the, like the blade elements and some of them are kind of like the twilight vampires and they're more <laughs> psychosexual and they, pr- they prey on lust and they, they mm-hmm. kill you that way, but they're very beautiful and almost shimmery. And I, sure. I think that I always like to see that kind of deconstruction. Cause I, I'm at my core, I'm a lore whore, man. Like I get off on seeing systems of bizarre stuff and trying to figure it out and trying to find the internal consistency of it, mm-hmm. which is why I probably take this way too serious for my own good. <laughs> sure, for me it's it's much more of just a fun spin on the horror genre. Uh, and I like the fact that these, you know, because they did establish that these five people were their classic meathead jock cheerleader horror whatever but they were anti-tropes so mm. they're constantly like doing things like okay the most important thing we got to do now is we have to stay together yeah and then the people the the guys in suits are like oh god damn it and then they're like all right pump it full of whatever chemical and what, then what th- gas makes you just change your mind <sighs> like is there a gas that does that or a gas that makes you like want to split up from the group I well so, so so there is some interesting i don't know if you've looked at some of these really edge cases of parasitism but like there's this particular parasite oh that is found in cats that is proven in laboratory such situations to inhibit one's uh fear avoidance like, you know, when you feel that kind of scary part of your monkey brain that like something is, you know, is preying on me instead of being afraid and going into flight mode, it makes you more docile. And it's uh, it's it's been hypothesized that this is designed to infect like birds and uh, rats. So when they see a cat, it gives a cat a a. A, a slight percentage boost to catching and killing it, which helps this parasite continue its lifestyle because mm-hmm. it breeds inside cat gut. All right. Okay. The same thing with like the mushrooms that infect uh, ants' brains. Sure. And it yeah. re- literally, re- I mean, it's crazy. Remote controls them to go to the top of the tallest plant they can do and then clamp down at their jaws and wait until the mushroom explodes from its head and releases the spores. I mean, uh. real life is really fucking crazy, people. That's <laughs> true. There's also this parasitized barnacle that attacks a crab and rewires its entire hormonal system. If it's a male crab, it turns it into a female and then it tricks the crab into caring for its own. Yeah. It's just, just horrific body horror stuff that actually happens. So, um, also s- some scientists say that this is explains a crazy cat lady gene 
yeah, the people yeah. that are really susceptible to this parasite collect cats because it's kind of like fucking with their body system. So hmm. there's a little bit of science that supports the fact that there's something that could reduce your – make you more susceptible to not listening to that part of your brain that says, hey, this is scary – we should be smart instead of just. Hey, I'm turning into a cat lady. Exactly. I should be smart about this and get rid of some cats. Yeah, but... I've got three cats. <laughs> Can I really afford the care? Like, you know, what's going to, what's what's going to be the impact of me adding twenty more? Yep. And then a mushroom explodes out of their head. <laughs> In this case, it would just be like a dandelion of kittens uh-huh. that just blow off and <laughs> infect other people. Uh, how how'd you like Sigourney Weaver showing up so late in this movie, like <sighs> cameo level? Yeah, honestly, she's good. I mean, she yeah. is like one of the matrons of of Hollywood horror. Sure, up aliens, Ghostbusters. With, yeah, I mean, she's up there with uh, Jamie Lee Curtis mm-hmm. and uh, what's the Vivian Lee? Was she the one in Psycho? Janet Lee. I don't know, big, but, but I mean, she's she's right. That goes a little bit before my yeah, right. That's why my I, horror I, genre. But there was a star. Who, but anyway, um, yeah, no, I thought it was great, and she plays yeah. the role of the ruthless administrator. Uh, that is like you know again, I I don't hate you. You're just a lamb that I need to slaughter. Yeah, she comes out in like this business suit, and it's mm-hmm. you kind of get the impression that she is all business, and she understands what must happen here, and like. She just kind of expects them to go along with it because well, it's I mean, for the good of everyone else, which that's a fine case, but so I don't know that the, the victims are okay with that. So we're in this situation. You and I, Sigourney Weaver comes yeah. out, mm-hmm. and she get, and she's like, uh, Jim, you have to kill Aaron, or seven billion people are, are dead. And this isn't, this isn't like they just come into our studio. This is, we yeah. went to this cabin. We've seen the supernatural. We went to the subterranean caverns. We saw the... <sighs> The the hordes of the dead, and we're standing on top of this ancient the evil that is that is containing some giant thing we can see roaring below. Mm-hmm. Do you shoot me in the head? Because I absolutely kill you in that particular scenario. So you got to, yeah. It's it's interesting because because I'm you've either seen it all, and you're gonna die anyway if you don't yes. do it. Like it's either I, I don't know it, there where you were talking about earlier how like the ethics and the morality get a little muddy. I don't think they're muddy. I think if it's I agree. If it's these five people versus the entirety of the species, yeah, you do it every time. Yeah. I mean, the ethics get muddy when you start talking about, like, it's my child that I'm sacrificing to save a billion people. And also, it's not... I a- don't think the ethics get muddy. I think the choice just gets harder to make. Well, okay, I think so the ethics the are still the same. Okay, yeah, yeah. I just think uh, there are a lot of people who would make the decision not to kill them and then end up everyone getting killed anyway. It's, That's the thing. Like, the fact that everyone's dying anyway. Like, yeah. I'm, In my mind, as a rational person, I'm either this is a real situation or it's a dream mm-hmm. or it's a practical joke. Either way, I'm shooting you. <laughs> <laughs> and I think that's the best solution. Well, I think there are a lot of people who would who would be in denial about the idea that everyone's going to die. They'd be like, yeah, if you don't do this, everyone's going to die. And they'd be like, eh, we'll figure something out, you know? But I, I think – Not everyone's going to die. Come the, on. The way you stage about? that, it's like not in a sterile control room. You're on top of the altar with the roaring thing below you, so – You're going to be the first to die. That's the thing. You are uh, at ground zero of the apocalypse. Yeah. You are sitting on an A-bomb or something, and that's – I thought – I wonder how much 
here again, thinking too deep. I wonder how much Goddard and Whedon were sitting around thinking about, we need to stage this so that it is a genuine, genuine dilemma. And it's not something mm. that can be, you know, the button experiment where I just push a button and someone dies, but I get my wish. And I don't know who yeah, that person yeah. is. Like, that's kind of an interesting psychological, but they, they, the way they frame this is no. Yeah. It's really bad. It's going to die. And you know, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. I don't think there's much wiggle room. I, I thought it was going to be interesting that they were going to play. I, I thought they missed some opportunities to play with some tropes. Like I thought it'd been funny if the redhead was not the virgin and she, you know, had had sex and the and the fool like like they got their archetypes mm-hmm. wrong. The pot smoker actually was the virgin, uh-huh. and they kill they they kill him soup, and that was what's going to screw it up. And they didn't do that. They didn't even play with it. Nope. Their their idea was like, well, like when she goes, but I'm not. And, she, and Sigourney's like, we we work with whatever we got. Like you're the least <laughs> slutty person at this at this university. Yeah. When did the gods stop demanding the virgin sacrifice? Like that's right. They were they were just like well, that's no more virgins left on the planet. I mean, I guess that's what? funny, but there yeah, there are tons there, of there are tons every of new person virgins. that's born is a new virgin. Like yeah. what and you also, can't find a one year old. It's not hard to find adult virgins. It really sure, isn't. Sure. There are people who make that choice, and that's fine. Um, I kind of feel like we're entering a weird part of civilization where I feel like we're we're in danger of reverse slut shaming. Like, oh, God, you're a virgin or something wrong with you. That's We've actually already in that, but I'm talking about, like, that's one of these biases that's okay to have. Is that is that new? I feel like that's always been the case. Like, you go to high school, and people are like, oh, oh there's a virgin over there. Well, I mean, so you got to separate what society expects from you and okay. what the peers that are trying to get in your pants want you to do. Sure. So society has always held up the, vir- you know, people that get, you know, that, that get married as virgins. Like, that's the best way to do it, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, like, we flip that on its head now to where, like, I feel like virgins kind of feel a little ostracized. But if you're asexual or you just are not ready to handle that, that should be your – and that should be – that should be no more controversial than a woman or man that man whore or lady slutted up. Sure. The gods get it, right? Yeah. Like, they understand. If the old guy, if, if Cthulhu, <laughs> who has a mind that you can't even wrap around, is like, yeah, whatever. You know, you know kids who are, are having you? sex nowadays. It's I just get gonna, it. I, sure. I saw the movie Kids. I've <laughs> been there, you know. <laughs> I was in high school once. <laughs> <laughs> the other evil tentacled monsters they're cruel they're that cruel sh- to virgins that sh- i get it that that uh shub shub Nagaroth, you know she was pretty sexy the thousand goat eyes got me <laughs> <laughs> yeah i had a few beers uh yeah now i'm now i'm introducing a potential lack of consent into lovecraftian oh, no. mythology i don't want well to do that. Cthulhu's not a great guy that's true. We'll just He's the kind that. of guy that would probably date rape another elder god. It seems like it. Yeah. He's an asshole. Sure. Uh, what you know? I what mean, else that, do you do with that, all those tentacles? That's why he was bound into the sunken city. Like people had enough of his shit, and he got sent to penal max of the elder gods thing. Yeah. So these are like humanoid ancient gods. I they mean, did seem like it was a straight it had up giant a, hand at the yeah. end. Yeah. Boom, coming out of the ground. Which I it, think it, that's cool, too. Like, those underground forces kind of remind me of Phantoms, which is like a Dean Koontz book and movie, which is kind of bad, starring Ben Affleck. Um, it reminded me of two things. There's like this, I think it's called Titan AE, this this anime series that where is like a, these giant titans of, yeah. eating people, and that was like really cool. And it also reminded me of like the classic Titans from 
Greek mythology, like the, mm, the, yeah, the yeah. things that came before the gods, that they, they just are described these vast humanoid figures. Uh-huh. Um, I thought that was pretty cool, too. Yeah. Like, it's not necessarily horrific. They're just the scope and scale of, of what they do is, is what's horrific, not their form. Sure. Sure. Destroying the earth is horrific. But then again, he could have had a tentacle head. We don't know. Yeah. He had like some kind of greenish purple skin, right? Or was that just the I color think it was of like the room? Cracked red energy coming out of his it, it, like big, wow. giant black hand with red energy cracks in it or something. Is that because I I, I see I like a like a purplish like a bruised kind of corpseish blue. Which this is why eyewitness testimony is garbage, people. Yeah, no kidding. We watched that exactly the same time. It's exactly the matter the same time as elapsed. And if you put us on the stand, we would absolutely perjure the shit out of ourselves. Yep. Um, but yeah, I don't know. There, there's a couple effective tension. Like when she went that when she was making out with the wolf head. Oh, like I yeah, was just yeah, waiting yeah. for that thing to rip her face off. Sure. Like there was palpable tension for the whole thirty seconds of her going down on that wolf mouth. Mm-hmm. Um, and I also like that, the fact that they were calling attention to the fact that they're inverting these tropes because people like, have you ever seen her act like that before? Like, you know, why is she a sex pod and why is this guy this dumb frat boy now? Yeah. What's going on? I thought that was cool. I love the coffee cup bong. Genius. <laughs> yeah, that gets a lot of play in the movie. And the fact that that ends up being like, you know, Excalibur uh, <laughs> by the end it was pretty awesome. Mm-hmm. Uh I will say that if I was formed as uh, – if I was tapped as either the brain or the fool, I think that's the two niches I would fill um, in this, that I would have never – I would have never gotten past the, the gas station without the pay at the pump. Why is I'd that? Because like, I, I would never have stopped there. I would have been like – But you have to stop there. Look, they're in a horror movie. I, but I wouldn't have. If I'd been like, this place doesn't have pay at the pump. Let's keep going. Where do you go? I just down the road. I'll run out of gas. I will not. <laughs> I seriously have gotten out and I've All seen right. this like what the f- there's like a, ma- a manual pump. Mm-hmm. There's no I have to go inside. Nope. Uh, keep on trucking. I don't care if I'm in the red. I don't care if my lights on. There will be another gas station with pay at the pump. Yeah, that's my favorite. One of my favorite parts in this. Obviously, I, I have a lot of parts. The fact, that when they got him me. on speakerphone, like some of this stuff, I don't know that makes sense oh, in context yeah, just, of the rest of the movie. Kind of just some weird comedy thrown in there. Like what? So is he a real life prophetic figure and he's talking about the fact that these people are going to herald the end of the world? Or is he just a guy who's so deep into his character? He's like Kurt Lazarus from uh, Tropic Thunder where he doesn't mm-hmm. remember he's playing a part. But like. I don't know. There's like that's one part in the movie that didn't really work for me, especially the second time. If I would watch this a second time through, I'd be like, "What is this guy doing?" I felt like this guy was not necessarily placed out there, maybe, but kind of recruited. And the recruitment message he was given was like, "You're you're saving the world. We're preventing the the end of humanity." And like this guy really bought into 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 it. Yeah, and like he's not privy to all of the other stuff that's going on here, right? It's just like, get these kids to go down this road, give them the gas. You know, that might explain the dudes in suits and masks, too, that they're not held in containment like the other. They're just like random psychopath mm. that signed up for this. <laughs> like, would you Maybe. like to serve the country and the world, son? Like, you know, so you just catch this yeah. Zodiac mass murderer guy, and they're like, you know, put on their mask. Hell yeah, we would. <laughs> uh, yeah, but I like just that. hanging I, out in the break room. I don't know. I That guy tickles me just because you know he's 
him some version of him is in every single it is horror movie yeah where he's kids got are going the, to a cabin he's got the crazy eye and yeah and it's normally pro- him that like comes back and that's and what i was killing them right, right. and yeah. that's you know i'm in full like sleuth okay so this guy's gonna come and and because uh he insulted them or whatever that he's gonna come and kill them but no, yeah. he just and you occasionally see it where like he's their savior sometimes. Sometimes, like, yeah. If they really just want to turn it on its head, they'll be like, "Oh, this guy you thought was creepy and evil Can't is judge actually a book the good by guy." Its cover. Exactly. Yeah, that might be. But if you're wearing a tattered raincoat and you smell like cat urine and you got a hook for an arm, uh-huh. I still ain't letting you in the car. <laughs> I ain't gonna do it. You could be heart of gold, uh-huh. but you could have that cat urine need, parasite. You need to get a haircut and shine up for a dental plan because you're not getting in this car. <laughs> Get a rubber hand to hide that, ro- the, you know, when, yeah. when you're trying to hitch a ride. Uh, what else we want to say about this? I don't know. Uh, I found it to I, be a lot of fun. I kind of want a sequel, although I don't know what that sequel would look like. Ooh, man. Maybe in a, one of the other locations. But that, and I... It's the same thing, I really but... want to know what happens next. I want... Mm. The world's I, destroyed. I mean, that's I, the well, implication. Well, but do you remember there, that movie with... Um, uh, Judd Apatow's gang, I guess is what you call it. Uh, it was the end of the world. Is that what it's called? This is the end. This is the end. Is that, is that it? Seth Rogen and Seth, James yeah, Franco? Yeah, yeah. And I like that because uh, that's like that's where this movie that movie started, where this movie ends, hmm. and it had its own little interesting tale about what happens after the apocalypse. I don't know. I think that would be kind of interesting. Never saw the, never saw that movie. Didn't you? I mm-hmm. thought you did. Saw part of it. Uh, so the beginning of it okay but i i I kind of would like to see these the stoner and the virgin fight through the apocalypse somehow Hmm. because i really like the stoner character by the end of the movie Mm -hmm. i thought he was super annoying at the beginning but uh no that would be me in this movie i would be the fool it could be world war z (laughs) starring brad pitt he's fighting giant giant handed monsters it'd be real funny if the monster was small and the hand was giant <laughs> <laughs> or maybe that is he's like a giant cut the the thing yeah. from the adams family he's uh-huh. just a giant hand disembodied hand <laughs> maybe so that was effective foreshadowing when he's like good job zombie hand because there was like a heroic oh, yeah. a, a heroic part played by a zombie hand in this film uh i don't know what else to say about it i think it's worth watching if you haven't seen it if you like, so I feel like if you're a horror, that's the thing. Like, this is a recommendation that if you are a horror fan, you probably already knew, hotly anticipated, and saw this on opening night. Yeah. If you're not a horror fan, you probably will not enjoy this because you will not get all the tropes, and you will find it more legitimately scary than than funny. Yeah. And, and all of the genre awareness stuff will probably go over your head. So my advice is. Don't you see know, it. Watch, <laughs> watch some other gateway things. Like, you know, that's how okay. I got into horror. Like, my gateway was uh, Army of Darkness. Yeah, if you want to appreciate this too. movie, go watch some, like, Wes Craven stuff. Go watch Evil Dead. Go watch maybe, like, Hellraiser type stuff. That's the thing. Like, you, I'm trying to think. I'm trying to chart a course for people that have not seen that are our horror virgins like I was. And I know I start off with Army of Darkness because that was also like Army of Darkness and Predator because those, those are, are scary, easy. but they're also yeah. badass and kind of funny. They're fun. And you yeah. can cling to that aspect as the other stuff is scaring you. And then you can go into like PG-13 stuff like What Lies Beneath mm-hmm. and, you know, even like Scream and some of that shit. And you just kind of work your way up to more serious. By the time you've gone through and seen like 
the ring and paranormal paranormal activity <laughs> and then all the 80s crap well that's the yeah. thing like 80s slasher films john carpenter stuff are really terrible for the most part yeah no yeah. Not, there is not for the most part they're just terrible do you there are what is the redeeming qualities of them man i they're of a they're of an era that's for sure they're of a time like growing up in the 80s watching like they're to they're, me they're riff tracks friday the 13th and nightmare on elm street i think those are pretty scary if you're Hmm. A teenager watching those, or a young teen, maybe. But man, the uh, the special effects and just everything is so hokey uh, that I feel like there's better horror films recently. And but if you watch those first, they're not they they might be scary, but then you might rob the impact of some of the better made ones from you know some of the more mainstream stuff from the last ten years. Yeah, I mean, there's something to be said for knowing the roots of the genre. Um, this is something but I think I it, think it does take some of the scare out of newer ones. We this is a project maybe someone should take on. Maybe we we should take on like chart a perfect course of someone to fully appreciate horror films and each one have a maximum impact. You got to see The Exorcist. That's right, a, that's a must see. Poltergeist probably. But, is. but I think if you like, there's a particular order where like it'll preserve. Because that's the thing, like, once you've seen a lot of scary movies, you start looking for that movie that makes you feel afraid again. Yeah, yeah. And I feel like if you get at the big guns too early, you'll shoot your wad. Whereas if you, you know, just just inch into it, you can get keep those scares ramped up and ramped up and, and maintain that thrill ride, ride longer. And there are so many genres of horror, too. I mean, slasher flicks, supernatural stuff. Sure. Um, you've got, you know, lost found footage type yeah. stuff, which is also its own thing which is very scary like you have frankenstein and sure the classics you've got like alfred hitchcock stuff i mean psychological yeah yeah there's a lot of different types of horror that you can get into and i charting a course through that is tough it would especially if you're to an eye towards maximizing the impact of it yeah and i don't know like i'm i've seen a lot of horror movies but i don't know that i could especially i guess everything's everyone's kind of different i i don't do you think that's true yeah uh, do you think that people are born with various levels of tolerance for being scared? I mean, I think so. Yeah. But do you also, or do you think that it's all kind of like if you grew up with your parents watching zombie flicks by the time when you were three years old, then you're uh, going to be a seven year old that can watch paranormal activity without without having nightmares, right? Or sure. maybe that's become more of a universal thing. Like you show a kid, uh, even think, the most hard bitten kid will be having nightmares when they watch Paranormal Activity when they're seven or eight. Or nah, whatever. I think I think people are probably born with different levels of susceptibility to fear. Hmm. Like the, I mean, the, what makes a person cowardly versus different brave, le- different levels know? of cat lady infection too. Yeah, if you grew up with twenty seven cats. Sure. Nothing, nothing's going to make your your pulse rise. Yeah, yeah. Well, we brought around full circle, Jim. Congratulations to us. We're back we to Cat Ladies. Uh, and grad- congratulations to five-time commissioner Andrew Mount. Uh, mm-hmm. Thanks again. This was another fun flick. Something I didn't expect. Cat, uh, I was expecting like, man, why would someone commission just a straight-up slasher flick? <laughs> you see the cabin in the woods, and you're just thinking that's what you're going to get. Sure. Uh, and it had unexpected depth. Maybe I'm. I, I you could accuse me of diving into the shallow end and fracturing my skull but whatever <laughs> uh, it was fun to to listen to you asking all these questions like what is going why are these 
Switches, what? Computers. A force field? What I, the fuck? I yeah. don't get it. And I'm over there just snickering in the corner going, right. you'll see, you'll see. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, no, it was a really enjoyable way to spend a, a Friday. And yeah. uh, I appreciate it. I think he might actually have another one in the hopper. Somewhere in it's there, prolific. Yeah. I'm telling you, mm-hmm. we're going to have to file a W9 or <laughs> IT10 or something. I don't know. Yeah. God help us if he's if he's uh, if he doesn't live in the United States. We're gonna have to get a H one B for worker visa. It's just you know need some TPS reports. We're, we're victims of our own success, man. All the bureaucracy <laughs> and paperwork for this this prolific commissioner. What are we gonna do? You're gonna have to up our price for Andrew just because we're gonna have to do all this paperwork. <laughs> there's a five dollar paperwork surcharge. <laughs> Shipping and handling. Charge state tax. There, there's there's got to be something. We're we're, <laughs> we're we're losing our shirt on these deals. Man. We'll get him. We'll get him. <laughs> Yeah, uh, thanks, Andrew. Thank you this very much. Fun. If you'd like to find out how you yourself can commission a podcast, it's easy. Go to ballmove.com slash shop and look for the giant film canister uh, and click on the add to cart, which will be uh, counted as a transgression. Yeah, don't look at the actual film in that canister. No. Yeah, like I said, this, you know, me and Jim are just watching you. Yeah, uh, on your webcam and just waiting, just we're, waiting. We're pumping pheromones into your apartment, especially all you jocks, whores, and nerds <laughs> out there. Uh, you just be careful at the shopping cart. Who knows what eldritch horror you might unleash? 